Hey friends, and welcome to episode 67 of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies to inspire women seeking better work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman-Kornick, and today's episode is all about tooting your own horn, singing your own praises, and being your own biggest cheerleader. But to be honest, it's about way more than that too. Today's guest, Danielle Byer-Jackson, just like you, is not a one-note woman. She's got a lot going on, and she's the first to admit that balancing work, life, family, and friendships is not always sunshine and roses. And her blog, Hustle, Cry, Repeat, gives the inside scoop on what battling burnout as a working mom looks like, up close and personal. But I didn't invite Danielle on the show just to chat about how tough the balancing act can be. Nope, she's here to lend her public relations expertise to give us simple steps we can start taking today to stand up for ourselves, to advocate on our behalf, and to land the dream jobs, dream clients, and even dream media coverage we've all been, well, dreaming of. It's possible with the power of personal PR. But first, let me give you the official background on today's powerhouse PR pro, Danielle Byard Jackson. By day, Danielle Byard Jackson is the founder of Tell Public Relations, an education-based agency dedicated to helping underrepresented female entrepreneurs get the shine they deserve. Danielle's agency, Tell Public Relations, represents YouTube stars, Forbes contributors, nationally recognized influencers, award-winning filmmakers, and more. By night, Danielle is a certified women's coach, focusing primarily on friendship and communication. She teaches women how to have better relationships with each other through research-based strategies. She's the founder of Friend Forward, a digital community that provides coaching, research articles, and connection events for women looking to create and maintain true friendships. She's the author of Give It a Rest, The Case for Tough Love Friendships, and the host of Friend Forward, a podcast for millennial women looking to understand the complexities of female friendship. In today's conversation with Danielle, she shares what exactly it means to be a certified friendship coach, how she pivoted from a career in teaching to teaching herself public relations to building a successful PR agency from the ground up. She also talks about why setting healthy boundaries is critical to showing up as her best self across all of her different endeavors. Plus, she shares simple steps that you can take to show off your shine without feeling icky, braggy, or boastful. As usual, you know you can find all the details for this episode over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 67, including links to stay in touch with Danielle, tune into her podcast, Friend Forward, check out her blog, and more. Finally, I want to thank you again for tuning in, subscribing, and being a fan. And if you haven't yet, I invite you to click that subscribe button to be notified as soon as new episodes go live. If you like what you hear, I'd be so grateful for your review. 
Your reviews play a huge role in helping others find It's About Time in the search results. And I really want to give each of you tuning in a very special thank you. As a result of you listening each week, subscribing and downloading your reviews, your ratings, It's About Time has grown so much in the past few months, making its way into the top 10% of all podcasts in terms of listenership. Y'all, I never expected anything like this would happen when I pressed record on episode number one over a year ago, and it continues to be such an honor to talk with you every week. Every time you share It's About Time with a friend, you are changing lives too. Banning busy as a badge of honor is a movement, and you are a part of it. Together, we can turn the tide and be the example to others that busy is not a badge of honor, exhaustion is not cool, and that there are no trophies for fullest calendar. So big thank you to all of you. And with that, it's about time we get started. So let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Hi, Danielle, and welcome to It's About Time. I am so excited to chat with you this morning. How are you doing? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Um, so, Danielle and I actually met several months ago in New Orleans at the School of Styling, which is an absolutely beautiful uh, conference, educational experience, retreat, the whole nine yards for creative entrepreneurs. And I was so impacted by Danielle's presentation, and I truly hated the fact that we didn't have an opportunity because we both had such busy schedules to dive into a deep conversation. So we're going to have it today, and you guys get to listen in. Yeah, I'm excited for this. I'm, I'm excited to chat about all the things, and uh, we'll see where the conversation takes us. Yes, I can't wait. So I told everyone a little bit about you in the intro, but as always, I would love to hear in your own words how you spend your time these days. You know, so I am a publicist. I am the founder of Tell Public Relations, and we primarily work with female entrepreneurs to help them get more of the shine that they deserve. Um, but, you know, that that is an all-consuming job, uh, but it's like I always have to find ways to pull in another project. So, you know, on the side, I'm also a certified friendship coach, which people are like, that's a thing? And I'm like, yeah, that's a thing. And, you know, I've got a, a little one at home and um, I run different clubs. And so it's a, it's a lot of things, but I enjoy being a multi-passionate entrepreneur. I love that. Definitely not a one note woman, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's hard sometimes to focus on the one thing when you feel like, you know, your your skills and your interests are just too wild to tame. 
Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you mean. Um, and I, I love hearing that you are a certified friendship coach, which, as you said, I'm sure is something that piques people's interest very often. Tell me a little bit about what that what that is. What inspired you to pursue that? What exactly does that mean? Okay, so you know how you take those little tests in high school and you input like your interests and then it tells you, you know, some options of what you should be when you grow up. Friendship coach certainly wasn't on that list, like at <laughs> <No>. all. <laughs> Not yeah, time management coach wasn't either, my friend. And there you go. See, we're like paving, <laughs> we're paving our own way. That's what that's yes. about. Um, but I was actually a high school English teacher for six years and I always heard, you know, girls in the hallway or between classes, you know, lamenting some kind of drama with their friends. And then oh, yeah. I left and got into public relations, um, you know, I made the mistake at the time of dismissing those girls' uh, issues as a teenage thing. Because then when I got into public relations and you're talking to these, you know, high-powered women at the top of their game, their friendship issue is more of, I don't have any friends because yeah. I'm so career-focused and I, I don't have a circle. And so that's when I realized like, oh, this is a thing. So, you know, I still serve as a publicist. But having those conversations with clients is what drove me to be like, oh, this is a thing for ambitious women, for stay-at-home moms, for whoever it is. Uh, this is constantly an issue. And so I got certified to be a coach, and then I just became obsessed with researching and wrote a book. And now we have a podcast and all the things. We have a membership and, you know, uh, NBC News, you know, featured me as, you know, what it's like to be a friendship coach, which kind of helped to um, legitimize it for people who we're like, is this a thing? And so, you know, women will come to me with issues from everything from uh, making new friends, especially as an adult, especially now during COVID, like how do you meet new people or navigating um, conflict in friendship, like being reluctant to have a really difficult conversation and it's giving you anxiety or um, managing feelings of grief over losing a friendship. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's so much support, I always say, for every other relationship, but there's not enough for friendship. And so the same way you'd get a coach for anything else, that's the capacity in which I serve for women in their platonic relationships. Wow. That sounds so incredibly fulfilling to, to work with women in that way. It's hard. It is hard to make new friends as an adult if you don't have, um, you know, specific built-in groups. You know, I think about moving to a new city and what, you know, what would I do if I were moving to a new city where I knew no one, you know, have small children? It just, it does, it feels very daunting. And so I love that you are a resource to women to help them cultivate those relationships because let's be honest, it takes a village. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. So, you know, the friendship thing has is, is been really cool because women entrust me with some of their most, you know, personal secrets or, or you know, desires and heartaches. So it's been really special uh, to work with them in that way. And then also to be able to serve them, you know, professionally during the day in their businesses and, and putting themselves out there vulnerably to get shine for their businesses. So there's definitely overlap, which is nice. Fascinating. So, Danielle, you, you said that you spent six years as a high school English teacher. I did. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me what the pivot was like from high school English teacher to running your own PR firm, because that seems like daylight and dark in a lot of ways. Yeah. So you know what? I always say um, 
I would have stayed in the classroom. I, I thought I was going to be that teacher who looks back and you're like, I've been in the classroom for 35 years. Uh, but I often make the joke that it's like if you're dating a guy and you really want to be with him, but he keeps messing up and you're like, oh my gosh, I want to stay with you, but you keep messing up so I can't stay. That's how I eventually came to feel about education. I loved it. But so many things have just changed. And then especially these days, I don't know how I would have fared, you know, teaching online and God bless teachers who are going through that. Um, But I knew I needed a change. And so I struggled as a teacher, you know, that becomes your identity. That's who you are. And I thought, gosh, Mm -hmm. I don't, I, what else can I do? This is, you know, all I can do. This is all I can do. And so I had to get really clear. on like, okay, what am I good at? What can Mm -hmm. I do? Oh, reading, writing people. And so I got to looking at like what things kind of allow me to transfer those skills. And that's when I found PR and I'm like, oh, I can do this. Well, you know, that typical conundrum of, well, gosh, I don't have any experience. How do I make myself an attractive candidate? And so I hit up all the business owners in my church and I was like, listen, for this amount of money, which when I look back, it was God awful. <laughs> it was a crime. It was Isn't a that crime. How we all start though, Danielle. Like, it was- like here, if you give me 50 cents, I'll get, I'll create a full PR campaign for you and exactly. do all your social media and direct YouTube videos. It's just 50 cents. Yeah. And, and they worked <laughs> me. I tell you, they made me earn that 50 cents. And so I was like, okay, well, I need, I need the experience. And so I said, Hey, you know, for this much a month, I will, you know, get you on the radio and I will help you. Yeah. And I had never done it before, but I went to YouTube university and oh, I just yeah. worked up how to pitch and, and refine my skills and got some practice so that when I eventually did position myself to work for a PR company, I was able to say, oh, yep, I've landed interviews here and there, and I know how to do this. Now, I didn't know the technical phrases for what I was doing, but I was doing it. And so after some time doing that with a national company and being their PR person, um, I actually went on maternity leave after a year and a half of being there. And um, I got a phone call while I was on maternity leave from the chief of staff. And he was like, I'm so sorry to do this to you over the phone, but we're actually terminating our in-house PR because they wanted to outsource it to the big guys. And I was like, okay. And that was the moment of okay, you always fantasize about what it would be like to start your own thing. So you got a new baby, you know, this is the time. Wow. Wow. Okay. Six years as a high school English teacher to teaching yourself PR fundamentals online, to working for, you said, a national company, being laid off during maternity leave, And that being the catalyst for opening your own firm and just doing it your way. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. And that's why I always tell people to, you know, stay encouraged when it feels like, oh, gosh, I have no idea where I'm going. What am I doing? You just you probably haven't even discovered yet the, the, the path you should be on, but you're on it. So keep pushing forward, even though you can't see the outcome, because I mean, I couldn't have predicted uh, how things turned out. I know. Absolutely not. Isn't isn't that just the beauty of the journey, which I know sounds so incredibly cheesy, but like, isn't that just the beauty of being open and trying? Oh my goodness. I love that. That is so incredibly inspiring. And I hope that anyone who is feeling stuck in a career right now and, and just does not see a way out can just be inspired by how you went from your point A to your point B in you know, who even knows what's next? I love that. Um, so 
it fascinating that you were on maternity leave whenever they terminated the in-house PR department. And that's when you set out to start your own business. And so being a mom in and of itself is a full-time job. Oh, Lord. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and you have one little boy. Is that right? I do. He's two and a half now. Mm-hmm. So we're oh, in the thick of it. <laughs> my goodness. My little girl. So as we're recording this episode, it's January. My little girl turns two uh, in, mm. in two weeks. And so we are already feeling <laughs> the, the um, tumultuous, tenuous twos. So... It's, it's a lot of fun. So I've got to know, because you have, you're, you're multi-passionate, you run a business, you serve you know, entrepreneurial women by day, helping them tell their stories and get the recognition that they deserve for the good work that they do. In the evenings, you're a certified friendship coach, helping others cultivate those life-giving relationships, and you're caring for your family. Danielle, how do you do it? Give us the scoop. Give us, you know, what are your go-to apps, tools, strategies? How do you do all of the things that you do? You know, what's funny is uh, I I was asked that when we were at uh, the School of Styling where we met and there was a panel and somebody was like, well, how do you, how do you do all that? How do you manage? And I was like, I cry in the car on my lunch breaks. <laughs> it's like I'm like half joking, but not. And um, I like to be honest about, you know, yeah. be like presently working to manage it better. And I know a lot of times right. people are talking about, you know, work-life balance or work-life harmony, as one of my friends calls it. We speak yes. about it kind of like retroactively, like, oh, I learned how to do this. And so now I'm doing this. And it's like, you know, I'm still learning. I think I'm managing better than I was a few months ago, but every day I'm still learning, okay, this doesn't work for me. Or yeah. I can't push myself that hard because, you know, it's got a ripple effect. I'm I'm tired and then I snap at my husband and then it's tense and then I'm too tired to get up. And it's just because I'm not taking care of myself. So I'm, I'm still learning how to manage all the things. Um, some things that have helped me so far are to have boundaries with clients, which makes me feel ugh, to even say, because I like being on. It makes me feel like, you know, they know my commitment level to always be on. Um, right. But I've learned that that's not good for any of us. Um, mm. So having boundaries and having that away message starting at five o'clock is really helpful. Um, I'm blessed to have a network so that when I need a moment or my husband and I need a moment together, we we have people we can say, hey, can you watch Elijah for like two hours? And they're happy to do it. So, you know, having that support system is, is helpful as well. Um, I think talking openly about it sometimes on social media about, about, being a mom who does all the things is helpful too to hear women, you know, message back and say, Oh my gosh, me too. But, but girl, try this or Hey mama, try this. And, Mm -hmm. and to just see, you know, I know we often, you know, point to social media as like the bane of our existence, but it has so many beautiful elements too. And and that community for a mompreneurs is Mm -hmm. definitely helpful as well. And, and, uh, you know, sometimes 
you know, blogging about it or writing about it uh, is helpful too. And, and so that's been therapeutic as well. And then finally, you know, taking some moments throughout the day intentionally for myself. So, you know, this is kind of random and I stumbled upon it, but, you know, especially being in PR, things are, you know, you know, unpredictable and mm-hmm. they can be tense and you get ready for an interview and then the journalist cancels and you have to explain it to a client <laughs> and it's frantic. Oh my gosh. So yes. I have realized I can't let my day or the events of the day determine my mood and and how I go through the day. And so I intentionally will take 30 minutes of my lunch break to read from a fiction book specifically so I can like escape this world. It is so freaking calming. That has become my go-to thing to keep me like centered and not getting overwhelmed from doing all the things. I have never, you know, in all of the interviews that I have, the, the conversations that I have had so far on It's About Time, I don't think anyone has shared that they read fiction on their lunch break yet as a, you know, stress release valve. And that is awesome. That is awesome. So what are you reading right now? Can I ask? So I just finished a book called In Five Years, which of course is about like these female friends, but um, an, but I recently finished um gosh what is it where the crawdads sing yes oh my beautiful (laughs) it was so good it was so good and I just but that's what I mean it's like for me now you know you wake up at 7 a.m and you're pushing till 7 p.m and there's something about oh it's still the daytime so I gotta move but there's something about intentionally pausing and doing something completely not work related you know because we're to the point now where we're eating our lunch while we're emailing while we're on mute at the conference call so we never get a break and it forces me to take a break and I enter the second half of the day with with a little more with a little more calm and focus Mm, that is fantastic I love that tip I have to be very careful about reading fiction because I personally will get so sucked into it (laughs) I I did the same thing when I read where the crawdads sing because it was such a beautifully written book and I know that it's set in I think South Carolina but so much of the descriptor sounded like Louisiana which is where I'm from definitely it just Yes, it completely took me away. But I will read fiction to the point where I can't function and do anything else. (laughs) So I would definitely have to set a timer for myself and try and pull myself away from it. But I know I love that. I love that tip. That's fantastic. Um, So is there anything that you and your husband do to keep you know, the family on track to keep you guys in communication while you are pursuing, you know, your different endeavors and still, you know, managing a home. So we just recently um, decided that Thursday evenings would be our evening. And so we would have Elijah go to my mom's house and we'll just, you know, do whatever. Uh, We started by saying like, oh, that'll be our date night. You know, in the middle of the week, we stop and take time for us. But you know, I'll be honest, then we couldn't keep that up. And most times, you know, my fault, because I'm like, well, I, I do still have a little work to do. So, you know, yeah. so now we're like, okay, we can keep it simple. Even if it's just us having dinner at home, like we drop them off, we come back home and we have dinner, but just some time where, you know, a two-year-old's not, you know, tugging on the shirt and yelling in the <laughs> back and, and all the things. And we can just focus on us. Um, oh, we do great. make a rule to not talk about the baby and just either focus on us or to talk about, you know, the household, you know, for me, sometimes that 
falls by the wayside because I'm so work focused, but it's like, what does our home need right now? Mm -hmm. What do we need? You know, what are we going to, let's get some tickets to go to the zoo on Saturday morning, or let's remodel that one thing, but it's just a moment to think and to put it on the calendar. So we know like clockwork that's coming up and we've got our time together every week. That's fantastic. You know, Danielle, I love that you mentioned that you guys started by calling it a date night, but then you removed the pressure from yourself for it to be this whole big thing by allowing it to just be time together. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I struggle with that sometimes because I'm like, well, it's, it's date night. It's on the calendar. And you do, you have all these expectations of like, oh, we should go to this one restaurant and, and we tried that and it was cold. And then we went to a different restaurant and they were booked. And I was just so discouraged that I, I, I lost sight of why are we even doing this to spend time together? And so uh, that's when we're like, just screw it. Like whatever we're wearing, we're just going to find a quiet corner at home and, and just talk about our day and that's it. Um, and it's been really, uh, pleasant. All right. So making the switch from high school English teacher to now being this powerhouse publicist friendship coach, I'd love to dive into the PR publicity aspect of what you do, because I find that so often uh, movies and TV shows really glamorize the work that publicists do. And it seems like this, you know, click clack in high heels in high rise buildings, always being glued to your phone 24 seven. I actually spent about 10 years myself in crisis communications, PR, and governmental affairs. So I definitely lived that life for a while. But, you know, aside from serving your clients and helping tell their stories, there's a lot of PR that we could be doing for ourselves as professionals, as business owners that maybe we're a little reluctant to do because tooting your own horn is kind of scary sometimes. Okay, y'all, so I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDKornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. 
In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. So, Danielle, I would love for you to share with us you know, how we can apply some of those professional PR strategies to putting our best foot forward as professionals and business owners. Yeah, definitely. You know, this is why I I get so excited about working with women specifically because we have these complexes and hangups and these these shared issues that are very unique to us. And I know I'm generalizing a bit here, but we definitely noticed some themes with, you know, onboarding female entrepreneurs as clients. And we have a unique situation because, you know, we're trying to um, shine in our careers and we want our brand to be known and we want to be seen. But we're also grappling with all of the cultural and societal pressures and frameworks that sometimes don't allow us to do what we need to do. And we're trying to kind of balance both. So, you know, we've we've been taught that, you know, boasting or bragging is not ladylike. And, you know, it's it's unbecoming to talk about yourself and and just all these things. And is it it's not attractive to other women? And if you do it, then you're leaning in too hard. And how do you do it right? And, you know, uh, but you know, your business hinges on on your visibility and so it's just so interesting because whenever we do onboard you know new clients that tell public relations we we notice that there's like this prep work this this mindset work that almost needs to be done first because we'll talk about the business all day but then when it gets time to you know shine to go out there to do the interview to prep the talking points to to do the thing that she's we notice she's she's reluctant and she's 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 thinking and I can see she's thinking and not comfortable. And it's like, I can't come out here and be your advocate if you're not willing to boldly announce the things that make you special and that make you different and your achievements. And that is not um, unattractive. It's necessary for people to know that you're the right choice for them. How else would they know? Um, And so, um, so yeah, so it's something that I know a lot of women are, are, fighting to overcome and, and we we work to delicately craft our messaging. So we're kind of hinting at what we do, but then we don't say explicitly and we don't look like we're being too into ourselves. So, you know, I, I there are a couple rules for, you know, quote unquote, bragging about your company. The first is to really talk about the impact. So if you find yourself like reluctant to put yourself out there, well, then make it about the impact your service mm. Have instead of feeling like the attention's drawn on you, because people can't really contest with facts and figures. If you have, you know, trained 200 people or you've helped clients raise this much money or you were the first person to do this or whatever, all those things are, are factual things. And so you're just drawing attention to the effectiveness 
of what it is you do. And you have to remember how else would people be able to know that you are the right choice, that you're the real deal, and that they need to be served by you if you aren't willing to highlight what those things are. And so sometimes that might be able to help us kind of put things in perspective as to uh, focus on, on impact opposed to, you know, ourselves, if you're somebody who struggles with being comfortable doing that. Um, the second thing is to get really clear about um, what makes you different, like what truly makes you different in your space. So maybe not necessarily you, again, for those of us who don't want to draw attention to ourselves, but what makes your your business, your product, your service truly different um, in the space that you're in? And, and as an industry leader, you're probably really in tune with, you know, what's going on in the marketplace surrounding your particular niche. So so what's, you know, what's different um, about you and what you pour into the community? Um, that's a way to quote unquote brag is to identify these like fact-based uh, things. Um, and then also to have various forms of social proof. So your main form of of bringing attention to your business shouldn't be, well, I'm this and I'm this and I'm this. What are some other subtle ways that you can point out um, how wonderful you are? So that could be in the form of testimonials that you put on your website and that you put on you know, social media to have that third party endorsement. So you're not like, oh, I'm amazing. You have other people saying, no, really, <laughs> she's amazing. You know, you can put together a one page case study where you're showing me a story of how this person had this issue, but then you came along and developed this strategy, you executed it, and now these are the results. And just a one pager that tells a story that way it's less about you. And again, it's more on impact. Can you collect videos of people, you know, speaking to their experience with you? Can you, you know, display logos of the organizations you've worked with that people, um, are familiar with. So to say as seen on, or I, you know, we've worked with these clients um, and that way people are transferring their trust to you based on proximity. They see that you've worked with this organization that they really respect and they're like, oh shoot. And they transfer that trust to you. And so there are other things we can do to quote unquote brag on ourselves that are subtle and varied um, that don't necessarily have to look like us saying, Hey, I'm so amazing, and here are the reasons why. <laughs> I, I love that you put it that way. I, hey, look at me. I'm amazing, and here are the reasons why. Um, I'm working with a client right now to really polish her systems and workflows, and part of that involves creating an intake questionnaire that she can use to gather information before she begins her service process. And up at the top, before it dives into the Q&A section with all of the you know nitty gritty details, she, instead of saying, hey, I am an amazing artist and calligrapher, look what I can do. She says, I am so honored to have created more than 20,000 invitations for events ranging from da 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 And without dropping names, without saying I'm amazing, that 20,000 is very impactful. Totally. And just that simple shift of language shows humility, but it's also a fact that's worth sharing. So people feel a peace of mind in working with her and trusting that they're with a professional, which is necessary. Absolutely. One of the worst pieces of advice that I was given early in my career was to go to work, put my head down, work hard, 
and that I would be noticed for my hard work. Mm. (laughs) And I, you know, I look back at that time where I would go to work, sit at my desk. I would not, you know, walk up and down the hall chatting with people. I didn't really talk about what I did. And I kept waiting. Notice me. Notice my hard work. And then it just never happened. So what would you tell someone? What advice would you give someone who has been given you know, that piece of advice early in their career? Put your head down, work hard, and you'll get noticed. Yeah, I keep bringing it back to gender because it is different. You know, unfortunately, whether it's unintentional or not, you know, we do see a lot of bias, you know, in the workplace about, you know, this is the way that you do things. But, you know, people often do things like they they overlook us or over talk us or um, fail to give us credit for that idea that we totally had. And the first step, you know, at, at the risk of sounding life coachy, but the first step is really to make a, a mindset shift and stop mm-hmm. associating with Uh, stop associating speaking up for yourself as being unattractive or being Mm -hmm. unnecessary. So until we stop thinking, but if I say this, I'm going to look so into myself, uh, until we even break that association, we won't be able to make sure that we are seen. Um, If there's someone who's like, hey, I I just do the work and then it'll come to me. You know, I I always say this, you know, there are businesses that are doing wonderful things. There are some women out here who are, are, are killing it. But unfortunately, I think the most tragic thing is seeing a business close up shop simply because people didn't know you existed. Right. So for the sake of to keep going, to keep thriving, you do have to draw attention to the wonderful things that you've got going on. You know, if, if for example, if there's a woman who you have um, employees under you that have great stories and they're doing great things, well, then use their stories as something that you you share about the business. So it's not about you, yourself, your life. And it's about, mm-hmm. here's what happens here. You know, if you own a restaurant, here are the cool things happening in this restaurant and highlight, you know, the dish and highlight customers' experiences, highlight the cool background story of, of an employee who works with you, who has an unconventional background, but it's still drawing attention to the entity without making it about yourself. But we've got to stop believing that lie of, of it'll come to me. I don't necessarily need to say it um, because I don't believe that to be true. And that that humility, quote unquote humility, um, can sometimes be to our detriment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the topic of really understanding what you bring to the table in your industry, through your business, through your role you know, at work, how can we better understand what those strengths are? I find that so often we don't give ourselves enough credit because we don't recognize what those strengths are. So what are some steps that someone can take to really open their eyes to what those strengths and what that powerful you know, personal impact is that they're bringing to the table? One thing I think is super helpful, but we often overlook it, is using our customer feedback as data, intel. And I've noticed that if our clients give us praise or our friends give us praise, we'll be flattered. And then we're like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. And kind of dismissive and move on. Mm -hmm. For some reason, we don't put 
we don't give enough weight to the positive feedback that we receive, um, but we give tons of weight to the negative feedback that we see. And we'll, we'll, oh, right? we'll mull it over all day long and we're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they think that. And we give it so much power. Uh, but what if I told you that maybe that negative feedback is equally true as the positive feedback? There's, there's something about not being able to receive or believe what our friends and our clients tell us. We think like, oh, they're just flattering me or, oh, that was just a nice thing to say. But no, mm-hmm. if you've seen a pattern of people saying, hey, I really like the way that you um, listen or gosh, this is so creative. I can't believe you came up with this. Like I just, I could barely put my idea together in words and, and you were able to bring it to life. That's so cool. There they're holding up a mirror to you. So -hmm. for the person who's really grappling with, I mean, I don't know what makes me different. Well, I don't know. What are people saying? What's on the feedback card? Uh, What are people, you know, seeking you out for? What are they asking for your help with? That tends to be an indicator of our, of our gifts and our specialties as well. I mean, people are attracted to what they see as, as helpful to them. So if you find that people continue to come to you to say like, Hey, can you just, you know, edit this really quick? You're, you're always, you know, good at catching things. Can you look at this for me? What are people coming to you about? Well, are they sending you articles and saying like, oh my gosh, I know you have something to say on this. What are your thoughts? Right there, they're showing you how they see you as a as a thought mm-hmm. leader. If they know, you know, they see a, a TikTok video or they see a Netflix show or they see something that's like a, a, a crazy headline and they're sending it to you. That is intel in terms of what they associate you with or what they think your, your gift um, or your insights um are in terms of how valuable they are and where you can really shine. So I don't think we give enough attention to the intel that we receive from friends and clients Mm -hmm. when they're praising us uh, for some of the things that we do. So here's a challenge to those of you listening. I challenge you that over the next week, two weeks, to let your ears perk up and bring awareness to those moments that someone is complimenting you, that someone is asking for your help, that someone is recognizing you for your strengths. Bring awareness to that. Pay attention and see what you notice in the next two weeks. You know, we talked in the beginning about how those career uh, placement style tests that we took in high school did not tell us that we would become friendship coaches or time management coaches, but personality and strengths assessments, I find, can be so helpful for articulating what those innate strengths that you have that you may not recognize in yourself. Have you taken strengths assessments or done anything like that or worked with people who have, um, what are, what are your thoughts on mining your strengths through personality assessments? I think those are definitely helpful tools and sometimes giving you clarity on what you secretly know to be yeah, true. Yeah. So you already kind of know like, yeah, I'm good at this thing and yeah, these things rile me up and yeah, I'm I have a unique uh insight into, you know, this thing and I think it's a good confirmation because like I said before, sometimes we don't give enough credence to those mm-hmm. other things in the world that are echoing like you're good at this, you're good yes. at this. Sometimes so taking a a more technical assessment and seeing it in black and white is like that confirmation of, okay, okay, this is my thing. This is where I need to lean in. These are my unique uh, traits and strengths. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yes, I am good at that. They're, yeah. they're right. They nailed it. Yeah, the- totally, totally. And it's, and it's interesting, too, because, you know, sometimes it'll give you that direction you need. And then maybe the friends that are pointing out things so you can can kind of be the icing on the cake. But, you know, recently I had somebody who 
I don't think I'm going to do this, but you know, just recently for myself, I, I love Instagram. I love showing up on stories because for me, for me personally, that's very easy. And I, I feel like I'm talking to my friends and I'm like, Hey guys, Oh my gosh. So the craziest thing happened today. And it's just, it's easy and you don't have to edit or whatever. And so there have been people who will send me messages and say, um, other PR people or people in marketing or whatever, who will say, Oh my gosh, you need to like teach people how to do that. And I'm like, what? Just show up in your story? And they're like, yes, you need to teach how to show up in your story. But I'm so close to it that sometimes we're not able to take an aerial view and take a technical eye to what we're doing. Like, oh, okay, so wait, well, what am I doing? Oh, you know, constructing a narrative or finding ways to make it exciting or, you know, varying what I'm showing on camera to keep people engaged. But it's natural for me, but saying like, oh, there are some people who maybe that's not their particular strength and would benefit from being shown how to do that. But that's an example. But a lot of us are sitting on things that are so natural for us. We don't realize, oh, wait a second, for somebody else, that would be, you know, an honor. They they envy that skill and, and they do not have that talent, you know, and we can serve in that way. So sometimes it's really just getting clear about well, what's natural for you. What are people asking of you? What comes easily and allowing that to be direction in terms of where we can lean in. Absolutely. You know, we, like you said, we can be so close to our strengths that we don't even recognize them as strengths because they just feel so natural to us. Well, how could that be a strength that comes so easy to me? That's the point, girl. Yeah. (laughs) That's the point. So in terms of social proof, you've got me thinking on one hand about gathering testimonials from service-based clients and reviews uh, for our, you know, product-based entrepreneurs. And then on the professional side, I feel like the the testimonial version for our professionals is something like a, what is it, a, a LinkedIn endorsement or a LinkedIn? It's not called a testimonial on LinkedIn, but it's just- A recommendation, I think. Recommend, recommendation. Yeah. That's it. That's it. So what advice would you have for someone who has never pursued you know, asking someone to write them a recommendation or someone who has never formally gathered testimonials, like how can they get started doing that to build that bank of social proof? Such a great question. Oh, that, and and that's such a common question when I actually do like my social proof workshops is like, yeah, that's great. But how do I even go about asking? So what I like to do is, again, we talked about, you know, our reluctance to feel like we're drawing attention to ourselves. And so again, I like to focus on impact. And so this could be something as simple as, you know, hey, Susan, um, I really loved working with you last week. And I saw that you posted on social about how much you enjoyed our time together. Listen, I'm trying to work with more people on XYZ service, but I'm noticing that a lot of them need a better picture, a clear picture of what it would be like to work together. Would you be willing to write a few sentences on how you were feeling before we worked together, our experience during, and how it transformed your business afterwards? Because I think that hearing your voice paint a picture of what the experience is like would be really helpful for other people. Now I have completely taken myself out of the picture and I'm saying, can you help me paint a picture for these people who Mm -hmm. want to work together, but need a better image or illustration of what it would be like? I think you're the best person to paint a picture of that. And here are the three parts that I need, the before, during, and after. Thank you so much. Can you help me help others? Yes. 
can you help me help others? Again, it, it, it takes it off of you instead of saying, hey, can you write a couple sentences about what it was like to work with me? Yeah. Period. And by coaching them to share the before, the during, and the after, you're creating a story and you're cultivating such a better response than just Sally's the best. She made my life so easy, period. Because that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't convey what value you brought to their lives. So it sounds like that could look like almost either having an email template that you send during a certain point of your service, maybe after the fact, so that it becomes a part of your workflow, or creating a, almost like an offboarding form, maybe, for those business owners who use you know, CRMs to, to manage their, their work and their client experience. Um, the tough part, the thing that I'm having trouble thinking about is how... If I were in a, a professional role, say I'm a, I'm a manager wanting to work my way up and be promoted to director in my organization, how could I approach a coworker, for example, to ask for a recommendation? What would that look like? Mm. Yeah. So, you know, in my experience, I've never seen, I know that can feel awkward, um, but in my experience, you they are always happy to. A um, mm-hmm. couple things I would keep into consideration is, you know, what do you need it for? Um, mm-hmm. Because I know sometimes we'll ask recommendations and sometimes their ears will perk up in terms of, oh, well, what are you trying to do? Like, are you getting ready are for a career move? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I, you know, if you already can anticipate that to be like a natural kind of skepticism or like, well, what do you need this for? You want to remove as much skepticism as possible and make them feel very clear about what you want it for. I think that would be a big thing. And sometimes we'll ask like, hey, can I, I'm just trying to build up my testimonials. Can I get one for you? But, you know, for what? And, and what specifically do you want me to focus on? So people are more willing to participate and to you know, acquiesce to our requests if we can give a very clear illustration of what to expect and we fail to do that. That's true. That is very true. What specifically do you want them to talk about? Let's say you do all the things and you're trying to build up your testimonials because you want to do some consulting on the side for communications. Well, you want them to make the testimonial directed toward your your speaking skills or your ability to create engaging presentations like like what is it but you know sometimes people you know are smarter than we give them credit for if you simply tell them you know what you're trying to do then they'll know oh then let me highlight these these key things or if you tell them specifically why you're asking them that makes people buy in as well oh, you know so yeah. even saying you know I'm coming to you because like you've seen me present before I know you've been in the room while I do some presentations and also like you just the way that you word things is just so Mm, chef's kiss. Mm-hmm. I feel like <laughs> I feel like you'd be the perfect person to put this together because of how well you can paint a picture with your words. Could mm-hmm. you do this for me? You know, so there's some of it of like I've selected you too, and that way it doesn't feel like a a copy and paste blast out of like, hey guys, I need testimonials, help me out. And it's like mm-hmm. you win in the long run. But how can I help somebody see like, hey, I'm especially asking you because you have this insight or this skill. So could you help me by you know putting this together? You're the perfect person for the job. Ooh, that is that is good. Being specific, letting them know why you're asking and why them. That is gold right there. That's gold. Danielle, 
I have absolutely loved our conversation today, and I'm so glad that we were able to connect, that I have been able to learn more about you and your work and your life. This has been such a joy. But before we go, I would love to turn back the clock a little bit and take a peek into 20-year-old Danielle. Knowing what you know now about work, life, balance, harmony, hustle, what advice would you have for 20-year-old Danielle? Gosh, Uh, two, I think two things. If I could like drop a letter from the future to her (laughs) to like save her some troubles, I think there would definitely be two things on that letter. The first would be, and I'll be honest here, is to not burn bridges because when I was 20, I, you know, you, you justify somebody being rude to you so you can be rude to them or, you know what, forget that. I'm going in this direction. I don't need that anymore. And you never know how life brings people back in your life or, you know, how things come full circle. So about being sure to end any relationship with, with grace professionally would be my first lesson to her. And the second would be a note of encouragement that every failure, every frustration is a part of the story, which sounds so cliche, but there's no. something about if you knew that at 20, like if you knew that this this job you didn't get or that that guy who said no, if you knew for sure that that was a good thing, because it's just like pushing you more and more toward the right direction. You'd have a, a different perspective and, and more, you know, hope and clarity. And so those would be the two things is to be graceful about relationships, professional and otherwise, and to um, relax into knowing that the failures are a part of the story. That is beautiful. Yes, the failures are a part of the story. Danielle, thank you again so much for joining me today, for sharing yourself with us, for giving us your time. I know everyone is going to want to stay in touch with you and continue learning from you about how to brag on ourselves and shine in a positive way, how to cultivate female friendships and how to navigate, you know, the crazy world of work-life balance through your blog, Hustle, Cry, Repeat, which has such a, (laughs) such a fun name. Um, How, how can we stay in touch with you, Danielle? Uh, so I know I've got a lot of things going on. So I always push people to uh, the website, Danielle yeah. Byer Jackson, which is just my full name. So that's Danielle and then B as in boy, A-Y-A-R-D Jackson.com. And that's where that's where all the things live. Wonderful. And I will be sure to link that up in the show notes so you guys can connect with Danielle and continue learning from her and being inspired by her. Danielle, thank you again so much. This has been an amazing conversation and I can't wait to implement some of the things that you've shared. Thank you for having me. All right. I'll talk to you soon. And there you have it. Are you ready to shine? Are you up for the challenge? How will you share your unique impact? What social proof can you gather to share your sparkle? Who will you ask for a recommendation or a testimonial in the next week? Like Danielle said, your success hinges on your visibility and that outdated, keep your head down, your mouth shut and do the work method of showing up just doesn't cut it anymore. So what's your impact 
How do you serve? Let yourself shine, my friend. You can find links to stay in touch with Danielle and continue learning from her, whether it's about female friendship or your personal public relations over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 67. And before you go, let me tell you about next week's episode. It's a tasty one. Let me tell you. Has this ever happened to you? It's 6.45 p.m. You're starving and standing in front of the fridge wondering what on earth you're going to make for dinner tonight. Maybe you've got a starving significant other in the background. Maybe you've got screaming kids and all you've got staring back at you from the inside of the fridge is some ketchup, two eggs, and leftover sauce packets from Chick-fil-A. Cue the hangry, right? Well, next week in episode 68, I'm sharing the inside scoop, or should I say, my not-so-secret recipe for always having an answer to the question, what's for dinner? Meal planning is a huge lifesaver and time saver at my house. It cuts back on decision fatigue and generally makes my entire household a whole lot happier and a lot less hangry. If you've ever wanted to test drive meal planning, make healthier food choices, save on your grocery bill, or take your weekly meal planning to the next level by planning out a whole month's worth of meals at a time, then you are going to love what I'm cooking up for you in episode 68. All right. Thanks again for listening. And I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.